Conversations with professionals for professionals in the laundry and linen services industry. This is the American Laundry News Podcast. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Matt Poe, editor of American Laundry News. And during this podcast, we'll be exploring skilled workers. As many of you have likely experienced, the industry is facing a gap when it comes to trained, skilled workers. Joining me by phone from Tulsa, Oklahoma, is Doug Waldman. Doug is president of Superior Linen Service, a provider of linen and facility services for more than 3,000 healthcare and hospitality businesses across Oklahoma, Arkansas, southern Missouri, and southern Kansas. He's been leading Superior since 1997, following in the footsteps of his father and grandfather. He's also a past chairman of TRSA. Doug, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Now, let's start out defining skilled workers in general. What's their level of education and training, and what makes them so valuable? A dictionary definition might be something along the lines of skilled labor refers to labor that requires workers to have specialized training or a learned skill set to perform the work. And I like to kind of think about it a little bit separate from skilled worker or a previously trained and certified worker. But I think what we're talking about here with the skilled workers is really talking about people that we want to bring in with those skills and, and or certifications. If I'm going to be, you know, having an operation, I want to hire a doctor that's going through a lot of medical school and has done it. Or it may be just simple as certification. If I'm hiring a commercial driver, it doesn't matter if I sign his license. He needs a license signed by some licensing organization that we can't certify ourselves. And so that's what we're talking about in general with skilled workers. Okay. So then what do you consider to be the skilled worker positions in a laundry and linen service then? If I were to ask that around, the first thing that would probably come up would be uh, your engineering departments, your chief engineers, your maintenance technicians, some of your IT professionals, uh, safety, and your CDL drivers. When you say skilled worker, I would say the majority of our industry, those are the subjects that come to mind. Okay. And the big reason we're talking today is because it's been going for several years now that there is a lack of skilled workers. And what, in your opinion, has caused the lack of skilled workers out there? It's good old-fashioned supply and demand, and the supply is low and the demand is high. <laughs> it's good. It's no uh, secret that unemployment is low in this country right now. It's a good thing. Culturally, there's more thought you know, for future generations becoming more information workers. Really, for our industry, where those holes are, that leads tend to be down more in the, the trades, the drivers, probably ground zero for lack of skilled labor on the CDL drivers, and some of the, uh, what we used to call the, the technical, you know, hands-on trades. Let's talk a little bit about how has the lack of skilled workers impacted laundry operations in general, then? These impacts go worldwide and really cover all industries. And as you look, what happens to most companies, they, uh, you know, they've got a lot of stars in their eyes. Oh, I could grow here. I could do this. I could do that. And you find yourself, I really can't grow. I really can't do this uh, business. It just holds you back. And how much that as a, a business leader, you decide you can take on, you know, it's like, I can, you know, I can go get funding. Now funding's easy. If I need to, if I want to build new laundry somewhere in, you know, a new state or pick up new business, it used to be, oh, I got to, I got to try to get funding. Where am I going to get money? Well, there's money out there now. There's a lot of money. <laughs> <But it's, laughs> who's going to run it? Who's going to 
manage it, who's going to fix it, who's going to supervise it. That's really what it's done. And if you grow too fast and if you don't keep that in mind, what the biggest issue is your plants start to fall apart. Your your business, not just equipment, obviously equipment, maintenance schedules get don't get done or don't get done right. Uh, you start deferring maintenance, you start deferring repairs and you know for the long term that's not good or your service model deteriorates. All of a sudden you're not providing the service that you should. You start having customers defecting to other providers or other solutions for their uh, textiles. So let's talk a little bit about how are laundry operations dealing with this shortage in the short term. Let's stick with the short term right now. Honestly, short term answer number one always key on the book is you wind up paying more. It's a supply and demand. There's a lot of other things, but the bottom line is money talks and competition talks. And when there's, uh, you know, you you have to have a position filled and then there's just not enough positions to go around, you wind up those that are available, start commanding higher salaries. And that's kind of what happens. That's that's number one. Uh, but there are other ways to deal with it. For instance, does it need to be my employee anymore? There's a lot of subcontracting and outsourcing that goes on just as our customers, whether they're restaurants or hospitals or hotels or factories, industry, whatever segment of the market that you're in as a laundry why are you mainly, a, you know, unless you're an on-premise laundry, why are you around anyway is because the end users have determined I don't have time to do laundry. Uh, I've got my own issues to worry about. I've got my own business. So they've outsourced to us. We turn around and do the same thing to our vendors or our contractors. I mean, you know, I've got maintenance technicians in my industry or in my business, but when the air conditioner in our building goes down, I call the air conditioner repair guy or the uh, plumber when the sewer line backs up. Another thing that laundries do is uh, change the job a little bit. For instance, there's, when I said what's probably ground zero for shortages, and a lot of people would say it's your commercial drivers. I can get a regular driver, so uh, I just use smaller trucks and mainly use multiple trips. So there's ways that you can change the job around to not need specific things. Whatever you can do to keep the staff that you have minimize turnover. So if you do have some skilled labor, <laughs> whatever you can take to keep them. Finally, um, you know, I've seen people do a lot more what I would say the non-traditional employees, part-timers, second chance. I, I, we, I use the term second chance employees that you may have never used in the past or may not have uh, thought about. Okay. And the shortage, it doesn't only impact laundry surfaces. It's also affecting the equipment manufacturers themselves. The manufacturers being affected, how does that in turn affect the laundry operations? Oh, definitely. I mean, in some ways, the higher the technology involved in the manufacturing process, the longer the training cycle, which means it uh, gets even harder to find. And as you're doing engineering, you know, if you're designing some sort of, uh, you know, washer or uh, rail system or whatever, you need professional engineers, that, that becomes an issue. So what's it do? It For us, it limits potentially our choices and manufacturers, they consolidate. The, you know, if there used to be 10 companies that made this widget, uh, next year there may only be eight. And then the next year there may only be six. It passes down all levels that, uh, you know, we'll see consolidation in our supplier base, uh, longer lead times for parts and repairs. I hate to say, you know, we'd have less service, but, you know, they may have fewer on-site technicians. You know, a lot of the manufacturers in this industry are really good about providing on-site service and support. Well, those 
you know, availabilities where it used to be, oh, I need somebody to come in and fix this. Used to be, oh, we'll have someone out there next week. May then be, well, we've got someone scheduled for October. So yeah, it's definitely at every level and it's affecting not only our manufacturers, but our customers as well. Some people would say it's a opportunity for us and other people say it just means they have less money to pay us. It depends on if you're a glass half full or glass half empty kind of person. Well, let's start looking a little bit more half full here. Um, Let's talk about, in general, what efforts are being made to increase a skilled worker pool out there? Sure. The typical answer that you'll see is today is other than companies doing it themselves is really the trade schools, the uh, the community colleges or the uh, the vocational technical schools or whatever each state calls those for their state. But that's really what I see as the the main national focus. Is it enough? Mm. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if any of us think it's enough, but that's what it is on the uh, on the nationwide basis or the international basis, really. So let's get a little more specific to the industry. What efforts are laundry operations making to increase the skilled worker pool then? Yeah, exactly. You know, we sit back and we look and nobody's really out there solving this problem for us. So you say is, what can we do? What what are laundries doing to fix that issue? And I would say that the main thing and the most effective is to grow your own. There's some positions that you're going to have to go outside for because of a certification or training that you just can't do yourself. You're not going to be able to certify your own people as CDL. You know, you got to get a state or licensing board to do that. You know, if you need a professional engineer to sign off on construction, you're not going to do that. You need to get, they need to go through a state licensing board, CPA, lawyers, uh, those kind of things, you're definitely going to have to outsource. But I think when we sit back is, why can't I train? If I have someone that's good in my plan, you know, it could be a washroom uh, person. It could be an ironer person. It could be somebody that just came in as an entry level, you know, quote unquote, unskilled labor. I can train them to do maintenance. I mean, what is maintenance in terms of, well, let's start with a PM. Let's start with greasing and oiling. And I can bring those people up. And after three, four, five years, guess what? They're pretty darn skilled. And so I think the trick is, the trick is, do you have time for that? That's the long game. It's not a short-term solution. Right. Yeah. It's definitely a long-term solution. So it's something that you have to start today before you need it and continually do it day in and day out. Because if you find yourself acquiring a new facility, you don't have time to do that. So then you have to go out and pay is <laughs> really what you're going to have to do because there's you don't have any other choice. But short of that, if you've got the time today, start training people, cross-training your people to do the other jobs. Give them a little more responsibility and look at your people for their attitude and aptitude as opposed to what skill level they make, well, how many initials they have at the end of their name kind of thing. And, uh, you know, that's three, four-year payback. But once you're there and you ha- if you have that continually going, you're, you're in pretty good shape. We've sent plant people to driver training schools. You know, we've paid for it to get them driving a truck. I mean, there's some things you'll never change. So it's not like you can train everybody. You have to find those with aptitude, you know, the attitude and the aptitude that want to do it. And you may not have that. So you have to revert back to outsourcing it or recruiting it and, and paying accordingly. But I would say the the biggest, most successful thing that I see around the industry is grow from within. 
I mean, you'd be amazed at how many chief engineers, how many general managers, how many CEOs and presidents of the linen and laundry business started in the washroom or started on a route and grew. So I'd say, a, a, you know, a heavy percentage of, of us came from, weren't hired in at those levels. So that's the most effective. Another thing you do is start, and I've heard some people say, aim, you know, you aim low. And I hate that term, but it's what their meaning is. Don't go for the, if you need uh uh, somebody to come in and, you know, a plumber or something, don't necessarily always say, oh, I need the master plumber uh, who's had 30 years experience or 20 years experience. Start with the intern, start with the trade school, get them right out of school and, and try to hire for the, like I said, attitude and aptitude. They've got the training or the cert, but they're brand new and then bring them up and let them grow in your organization. We love to do interns, especially at the college level for whatever position the interns like it because they like money they like jobs <laughs> yes. uh, for the summer it's good for them it's good for us and it's good for the other employees they like seeing the, the new people coming in the young people coming in and the, you know it's it's a great plan so that's my other suggestion is or what i see laundry's doing is a growing their own and b uh bringing in the interns the you know even high school kids to bring and come in and help in summers or after school or whatever is definitely a big help and then they will become your next skilled worker what do you see happening in the future for skilled workers for laundries? Unfortunately, I hate to say it, but I think <laughs> what you're going to see is you're going to see costs going up. You're going to see pay going up. There's no way around it. And, you know, it's not a pretty situation, but supply and demand will cause pay to go up to get that labor. If you want to compete and keep it, you're going to have to pay more. And if you can't figure out how to pay more, you may become a consolidation target. And I say that even for those, what I hear a lot that there's a lot of discussion about minimum wage going up and people say, well, that doesn't employ, that doesn't affect this because we're not talking about minimum wage labor. We're talking about much higher skilled labor or higher paid labor. Or people will say, well, I don't worry about that because minimum wage is $10 an hour in my market and I'm paying 13 or 14 But if the you know minimum wage goes to $15 an hour and you were paying $15 an hour, well, guess what? You know, if you were minimum wage was 10 and you were paying 15 and minimum wage goes to 15 well, you're going to be paying, paying 20 to keep that same workforce all the way up until you start hitting the fairly high levels of pay that you're going to see an acceleration of, you know, where you're going to have to have that same delta between minimum wage and what you're paying uh, that you did before to keep them because now there's going to be a lot more people with potentially easier jobs that are going to be at your same price level. So that's what I see happening. I don't like that, but that's what I see. <laughs> right. It is. Uh, and it's just simply a supply and demand issue. I got one more question for you. So if you were speaking with another laundry operator who was struggling with the lack of skilled workers, what advice would you give them? The first thing is I think most people, if you have any, is reconsider any restrictions that you've had or cultural restrictions on who you may have recruited and hired in the past. And I'm talking about things like simple things like tattoos, piercings, those sort of things. Another thing, you know, I like to tell people to reconsider is some of their hours and requirements for work hours. Part-time, flexible schedules may be appropriate. Uh, more time off with or without pay. Sometimes PMs that you do, you know, maybe it doesn't matter exactly what time of day you do them. If, you know, if you can work on the second shift or off shifts. Uh, and do the, you know, little things matter to keep employees that you do have. I mean, there's not a certain uh, bullet, but, uh, and, and, 
pay rules. I mean, you know, a bigger paycheck is always going to make the biggest bang, but have picnics, have family events, have seniority awards, get their kids involved and their their spouses involved and their things. It, it, it makes a difference in, in keeping people. And the, and one of the things I say is, look at your marketing department. Look at, you know, everybody, and this is kind of a big thing that I talk about a lot is that it's like, oh, I'm the sales and marketing director. Uh, you know, that's the sales and marketing department. And sit back and, you know, say, honestly, marketing is not a sales function. Marketing is an HR function. I really think that we should all redo our positions to be marketing and HR directors. And the reason I say that is because when I find who reads your marketing, it honestly, it's not your customers that really pay attention to your company's marketing. It's your employees. Play up your existing employees, make them feel, put Facebook posts or whatever. Or if you don't like having that external, there's internal uh, apps, you know, the Yammers or newsletters, old school newsletters, whatever you do to to make people bulletin boards, put their names on bulletin boards. People think, oh, that put that implies skilled labor. And I'm like, oh, yes, it does. Applies all across the board. Take advantage of all the industry events that you can. Send your people. You know, they. Uh, some people don't think, oh, I can't do that because they'll get recruited away. Eh, I don't know. They're getting recruited away anyway. And if you don't send them, then they don't think they're ever going to get to go. So then they will go to another, uh, you know, leave you because they're thinking I'm not growing. My last statement would probably be, you know, and we talk about people come ask me, well, who's your competition? I say, well, competition to my customers is, you know, whatever, ABC Laundry or Speedy's Cleaners or whatever. But in this, the competition is every other business in the, uh, used to say every other business phone book. Now it's every other business on the web that's competing for the same labor I am. So we've, we've got to get creative there. All right. Well, Doug, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. Oh, thank you very much. Everybody should know that we're all in it together. And I appreciate your listening in. This is Matt Poe reminding everybody to keep it clean. The American Laundry News Podcast is a production of American Trade Magazine's LLC in Chicago. The music, titled Holding On, was composed by Poddington Bear and is supplied through the Free Music Archive. For more information about future podcasts, visit our website at AmericanLaundryNews.com or consult The Wire, our weekly e-newsletter. Also, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter to stay informed about these podcasts, along with news and information from around the industry. This has been the American Laundry News Podcast.